How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm actually doing pretty good. Uh, just got back in this morning, to be honest. Yeah, how was your flight into Calgary? Uh, I got delayed a bit, but other than that, not too bad. Uh, the woman in front of me decided that uh, she was leaning back the full way, no matter if my legs were there or not, so that got a little weird, but... Other than that, good flight. That's good. Well, I mean, it's only an hour flight from Victoria to Calgary anyway, so... Yeah, I don't really need knees for that. No, not really. So, Tim, in previous interviews that we have done here on the show with the likes of Trevor Shackles and the guys from Maple Syrup Shots, I always mention how you and I came up with a list of people that we would one day love to have on the show if we ever got to a point where we could. And this evening, I am extremely proud to say that we get to cross off one of the big names on our list. Our guest this evening is one of the three hosts from Sense Call-Ups. The show was started following the finale of Sense Underground in 2012. And since its formation, the show has experienced much success with six full seasons under their belt while currently being in their seventh. They have had the honor of getting the opportunity to talk to some big names within the Sens community like Dean Brown, Ian Mendez, Jamie McLennan, Stuntman Stu, and Sens DJ Alex Marchant. However, I feel personally their biggest accomplishment has got to be the inspiration the show gave that would later be taken and formed into the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from the former Studio 65 in our nation's capital of Ottawa, Ontario, our guest from the Sense Call-Ups, Pan. Pan, how's it going, sir? Oh, former Studio 65. Uh, The rebrand that we had to do, too, it was pretty tough, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? It was inevitable. Yeah, well, should have been, but, you know, it is what it is at this point. Pretty much. So, Pan, like we said, you know, we're extremely honored and extremely happy that you could join us here. Uh, before we get into the questions, I want to share a quick story. I don't think I've ever told this on the show. So, in the Sense Call-Up's fifth season during the 2017 playoff run, I actually sent an email into the show saying how I hadn't watched a game live since Game 6 against the Bruins. I think it was Game five that I watched live which we got blown out which you responded with quit your job and so I was at work a couple of days later telling somebody at work about this and my boss ended up hearing this and he just looks at me and goes Taylor I don't know who or what a pan from sense call-ups is but I highly recommend you don't take his advice <laughs> nice <laughs> well it's it's I guess that's a social influence that I, I kind of want to go through isn't it yeah, but you know what? If I had quit my job, that means you would have influenced me social through social media long before you guys ever became social media influencers. So, as we said off the top, the show was founded following the finale of Sens Underground to continue the tradition carried over from Underground of having a podcast from fans for fans. So I have to ask, what sparked the idea of you, Cardinal, and Canuck getting together and starting Sens Call-Ups? Well, that's pretty much the thing, and with the retirement of the Sens Underground podcast, we really felt that there was a, a, a big gap or, or something missing, because at the time, Sens Underground was really one of the very few podcasts um, out there. 
So what ended up happening is in their last year, they did uh, invite, I guess, listeners to jump onto the show. And, and the three of us who now make the Suns call-ups kind of took that on. So that's really where, where the three of us met and just kind of took it from there. So it, it, it's fun. And I really like, Taylor, how you're presenting us is we're not insiders. We're not experts. We're, we're fans. So it's really all just water cooler talk. We have different approaches to things. We have different mentalities, different opinions, and we just like to talk about the sense. Because mm-hmm, I know that when I had our friend Joseph St. Tamora on the show, he said the same thing about the third line plug sensecast. He says it's great to see that, you know, there's a podcast out there that's from the fans, for the fans, and they represent the fans. And I said to him out here, I was like, well, I think the sense call ups have been doing that longer than I have, but, you know, yeah, you know, so, yeah. It's just really what, whatever you fall on to, right? Yeah. And as you know, we tend to go quite long. So it, it, the one warning to the listeners is we're very, very analytical and really break down things uh, quite substantially. And we also like to just tangent on, on things. But, hey, it's free. Because mm-hmm. I remember there was a like a 20-minute segment that you guys talked about. I think it was getting barbecues at Loblaws or something. And I was just like... Who or what would ever listen to a podcast and be riveted by 20 minutes of talking about getting a barbecue? <laughs> well, you know, you got to prepare for the summer. So. Yeah, that's true. So heading into your guys' first episode, what kind of mindset did you have heading into it? And how was your approach to doing the podcast change from the first season to current day? Well, similar to I think what you guys do, and you guys more so based on proximity, we were running it through Skype, so you, of course, have, and we're pretty much trying to copy what the Sens Underground did. So, very, very detailed game recaps, uh, which ended up taking quite a substantial amount of time. And without having the face-to-face, it was very, very difficult in regards to trying to kind of stay scripted. So, very quickly, we decided, you know what, that's not, not really going to work. We actually have to have a conversation instead of just going from point to point to point and not bringing up opinions or or other things like that just to try to get the flow going so since we were able to do more of these face-to-face it's been a lot better in regards to our flow um so that way we can do some non-verbal communication to each other to to get the conversation going or, or moving things things about so really that was a big key of just kind of building our own rapport um our own personalities really being comfortable and cutting each other off too or just adding in different thoughts as a conversation goes I think kind of puts things a little bit different for what we do versus a scripted radio show or something a little bit more professional and then with that you know we, we've just assumed the listeners have watched the games or the majority of the games or have seen the highlights now YouTube's a lot easier the website's a lot better so we don't really need to break that down so much we can just say as fan re- as a fan reaction, I like this play or this kind of screwed up and which caused the goal against or a big hit or a bad call by the referee, whatever whatever it may be that really kind of stuck to mind. So that way it's more of an interact and, and we really try to make it interactive in regards to in the same way that we were welcome to the podcast area by the Sens Underground, allowing us to to communicate with them in a way uh, through emails and voicemails and then being on the show, 
especially myself, I've been very open to reading any email that we get, playing any voicemail that we get, being very interactive online through Twitter instead of just having the big accounts that don't reply to anyone. I really wanted to, to have that, uh, that relationship and communication and openness with the listeners or followers, however you may, you may call them. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're referring to voicemails, you, you're just referring to CB Inc., correct? Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's disappointing that, that more people don't do that. So, Tim, I'll expect a voicemail next uh, next episode. Oh well, I'll tr- I don't want that. <laughs> well, I'll try to get on that there, Pan. There you go. Yeah. As I mentioned off the top, the Sense Call-Ups are now in their seventh season. While I'm positive you guys could have never imagined the podcast would still be going seven seasons in, what I find most surprising is that there hasn't been any changes in the host minus guest spots like Russell from Sense Call-Ups, for example. The question I want to ask is, what is it about the dynamic between you, Cardinal, and Canuck that has kept everything together over the past seven seasons? Well, we don't, and I know that we can get pretty heated from time to time, but it's just we get along, we have a group chat, uh, or group text, I guess. So we're always in communication, and we've really become good friends through this. So why change it? It's changing individuals within the show. We'll change the dynamics of it. We don't. We're treating it as a hobby. It's grown exponentially, and I'm sure that we're going to talk about that this year. But we we want to keep true to ourselves, and it's it's a it's a hobby. So. Why change it? Why add people? Why draw people? Yeah, fair enough. No. It, we're, we're having fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, uh, and I can speak for Tim as well. Like, that's all that he and I do because the podcast gives an opportunity to talk to people online and getting a chance to interview people like yourself and Trevor Shackles and p- people that we've got a chance to talk to. And it only takes an hour out of our day. That's all it does. It takes an hour out of our week. We sit down, we watch the games. We bitch about how much Cody CC sucks, and then we go on to the next week. There you go. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I guess one other question is when you're building show dynamics, how does just different ways of viewing the game, be it more numeric analytic, uh, eye test analytic, uh, just standard rough and tough hockey go as far as building the show dynamics and really building an interesting conversation? How do you manage that sort of thing? Well, one thing that we learned very quickly was not to read spreadsheets online because uh, that becomes very, very dull. Yeah. And and even at that, with the whole analytics piece, Taylor, I think you probably remember that one. Um, with the whole analytics piece, we don't overly understand it. And again, and I've talked to Dean Brown about it too. It's like the casual fan doesn't care about this in-depth stuff. So if in like some things that I've been tracking this year, just as very basic statistics is a shot differential and penalty kill mm-hmm. just over the period of games that we've been looking at. Cause you know what? It's like, we're getting out shot. How bad is it? And I'll look that up quickly or mm-hmm. the penalty, the penalty kill, as we know, was brutal at the start of the year. So I started to say, okay, well, how bad is it? How many opportunities are we getting? Cause Let's say if you're taking eight penalties a game, well, 16 minutes of penalty kill during a game, you know you're not going to be very successful at it. But now if it's, well, especially over the last couple of weeks or a couple of months even, they've been much, much stronger at it. And, and so these are just some of the things that, that we just kind of keep keep up with, somewhat trend. And, and But even at that, you can pretty much see it if you're watching the game as to, to what's kind of gone up or down. 
So we don't really need the analytics. I don't need to have the specifics on on things. It's like Thomas Shabbat's a great player offensively, and he looks pretty good on the defensive side. So that's pretty much what we'll look at. Yeah, I can totally. You get take a look that. at Max Lajo. Yeah, like Max Lajo looked great at the beginning. You see when they get scored on. You see the highlight or the the, the replay, and it's like, well, he's he's double clutching or he's too slow or he went for the change at the wrong time. So you don't really necessarily need the analytics to, to look at that. And mm-hmm. there are, I understand or I understand the importance of analytics. Um, I wish the team did too, but just as a fan, I just want to watch the game. Yeah, I'm the exact same way as a fan, and I know for Tim and myself doing the third line plug sensecast, I feel that because I look at it, hockey more in a traditional sense when it comes to analyzing games, you know, the eye test, I feel like I'm more of the representative of the average fan that doesn't care about the analytics. Tim looks at it more from an analytic point of view, and I feel that you have both sides of that argument. And personally, I feel it's worked out great in the same way that it's probably worked out great for you guys over the past seven seasons. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't bring this. I try not to bring my whole spreadsheet on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I know even when Tim and I did our last episode in studio, I could see him looking down at his phone with the bullet points of what he wanted to bring up while I'm bringing up all my notes. Well, they're all pictures. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So Blake, Blake Micah McCurdy is a lifesaver for this sort of thing. Right, but even at that, it's like you, you need a legend or, or something to really yeah. understand the breakdown. Because mm-hmm. here's a scatter plot, and without instruction, it doesn't necessarily mean much to me. Oh, for sure. And to be fair, it doesn't mean much to the average listener. That's why I'm here to be like, I look at this graph. This is why I think it means. I'm going to tell you what I think it means. Right. Exactly. It's all about interpretation. Exactly. So the Sense College had the privilege to talk with some big names, like I said, within the Sense community, like a Dean Brown and Ian Mendez, just to name a few. How long into the show's run were you able to land those big name guests? And what kind of process goes into structuring the questions for those interviews? So I, I think we're pretty lucky in regards to getting on board uh, with some of these personalities and, and media people uh, fairly early in regards to, to when we started. Um, the Sense Underground did have some connections, or did have connections with with most of the people that that we had. Just easy little things like Ian Mendes. I'm pretty sure that Russell introduced us from Sense Underground, uh, or something like that that happened. He might have even reached out and goes to the advanced chats uh, at one point to me, and I think that's really how we got connected. Uh, Dean Brown ended up following me on Twitter. Uh, don't exactly know why, but just from there we, we started to talk, and I told him about the podcast, linked to it, pitched the fact that we're the uh, the next generation of Underground, so that he'd be familiar with it, and he was happy to jump on. Jamie McLennan was a total fluke. I ended up taking a, and this is when I used to just go to the games and take pictures of whoever was doing the broadcast um, bet- between the benches. I used to do it with uh, Sean McKenzie too, back when he was covering the Sens more. But Jamie McLennan, I ended up just taking a picture of, of him, tweeting it to him, saying, hey, Jamie, hi, hi, hi. And he ended up messaging me and just kind of pitched it that way too. And Jamie's one of the best uh, to have on. And like I love all, all the, the different guests that we have on because – Having journalists being a little bit more open, not having to follow the mainstream media ideas and, and structures, and with that, really, when they're on the 
when they are on the radio, they're delivering the news. They're not giving their opinion. The color guys, like um, uh, like the Sean Simpsons, they'll add that to the conversation while Ian Mendes will just host the show. But with us, Ian's had all of this exposure to all these different people that he sees through the coaches and the other media and the players and whoever he has access to, so that now he can kind of build his opinion based on all of that information and share that with us this way. So that's really neat. I really like Jamie's um, opinion and point of view on things because not only is he the play by or the, the color guy, but he was a previous player as well as a previous coach. So you get a lot of different mindsets and in, in how that he can kind of see it from the fan point of view, but the player point of view and the ownership point of view and the manager point of view. So he's really fun to have on a roach that we'd be able to get him on more often, but uh, his, his schedules are tough with his radio and TV. Yeah, exactly. I had no idea so, that Jamie McLennan was a head, was a coach, by the way. Yeah. Uh, goalie coach with Calgary shortly uh, after retiring. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know about that. Did you know about that, Tim? Not in the slightest. You have to remember that I don't watch the Flames, even though I live here. Yeah, but you've only lived in Calgary a couple of years now. True, true. Oh, yeah, he hasn't been there for years now. Okay. Mm. So one of the things I've always enjoyed about the podcast has been some of the intros done by Sense players like Chris Neal, Eric Carlson, and Thomas Shabbat. I've always wanted to know, how was the show able to get the players to record the openings? And has there been a player who has either been hesitant or flat-out refused to, to do the request? For the opening, yeah, we, we've had a couple, and so essentially the the way that we do it is in the summer. There's the uh, Sens Fan Fest, and granted, I haven't really tried too hard over the last couple of years. But what happens there is that you're you're able to to meet with really most of the players, and at that point, they're in the development stage. So the AHL players and all of that, they kind of sit at tables of three around the arena. Um, where fans can just go up for autographs. So I get into these lineups, and I you're, you're not supposed to kind of bounce from table to table, and they've changed the rules around it a bit. Um, but we were able to, at years ago now, go f- throughout most of the tables and just, instead of getting an autograph, have a script and say, I'm doing a podcast, I need you guys to just say your name and the script, and then that's it. So I was able to get it through, done quickly enough that that way it didn't interfere with the lineups or anything else like that. So that's where we really got the majority of them. A couple other ones that I got lucky with were in regards, again, still all at the, at the fan fest, they have scratch tickets in regards to lucky people can go and meet some of the top tier players. And so with that, that's where I was able to get Eric Carlson. It was a year after his Achilles injury. Okay. So that way he, he was like, uh, he might not not have even been an assistant captain at the time. So he was just considered one of the top line players. So got him that way. Um, ended up getting Thomas Shabbat in his rookie year, if not the year. Of, no, I think that was even two years ago when he was just a rookie. Same thing Craig Anderson got, got one of the scratch tickets that way. So it's been lucky. We're able to, especially from years ago, being able to get... 15 guys from the AHL that's over time they become relevant so we've only had two players say decline it just because they weren't sure that they could base it to, to their media 
access. Okay. So they were a little bit nervous, and we just let them go. Uh, neither one of them is with the team anymore anyway, so uh, so no big loss on our side. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's always been one of the things I've always been interesting. When I hear those, I'm like, I don't know how these guys got it. And now that you mentioned the Sens Fan Fest, that actually makes a lot of sense. But I, I know that you guys were... I'm not sure if you guys are still a season second holders. I don't know if that's how you guys were able to get those interviews or not. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, they're a little bit dated right now. So uh, I need a refresh. Luckily now with a little bit of, of a better, stronger relationship, I guess, with the team, I can probably ask one of the media guys to see if they can just run around the room and get those done for us. But we'll see. I don't like bugging them too, too much. No, no, I totally don't blame you on that. So with all the off-ice drama surrounded the Sens this past off-season, the decision was made by the team to try and rebuild their deeply fractured relationship with the fans in the form of social media influencers. And I know that Senskoff, as well as Brian Fiber Six, was brought on in this role, which was met with a negative reaction from people online saying that you had sold out. Who from the team came up with the idea of bringing you guys on as influencers, and were you guys or were you expecting the reaction that you got from fans? Um, with that, especially at the beginning in regards to the reaction of the fans, it's, I kind of had a feeling that it would be not great. The, the actual reaction was worse than, than I expected. So, so that was one piece there. Uh, essentially what the idea was, because don't forget that Amy only came in in middle of August. So she didn't have a lot of time. So she is a new chief marketing officer for the team. So she ended up. Uh, reaching out to Craig Mendaglia as, as kind of to spearhead the project where she asked him, okay, you know, go to the social media. Who are the people that you want to, or that you think can best represent the brand appropriately? Yeah. Cause so I was going to say, if that was the case, then I don't think Brian five or six would have ever been picked. Right. Well, the thing with, 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 with Banner or Brian five or six is that he's, he, he one, it's an act, but two, it's he's acting like a super fan. Yeah, and that's how I've always reacted watching his videos. I've, yeah. I've that's how I've taken it. I've taken it as okay. Here's a super fan who gets really animated, kind of in the way that Steve Dangle is with the Leafs, but as Tim would say, Brian is a little more in, unhinged than Steve is. So, hundred yeah. percent agreed on that. Yeah, because it's yeah. Uh, he's pretty much like the the, the super ego mentality of. This is a fan reaction, and let's just put it up to, to volume 15. Um, so with that, there there are a lot of different people that are in different groups that are involved. Us, too, is that we didn't – we wanted to stay honest. So just some things that we'll like, we'll say that we like them. Things that we don't, we'll continue to say that we don't like them. And so that way that the team can kind of learn in regards to what we like, what we don't. In regards to our personal age demographic – we're older than what the target market should be and versus a lot of the other influencers that are probably in their mid-20s now, if not younger, some of them. So it, it brings a different age mentality and, I guess, generational mentality. And also with that, me being a, being a minority, there's a little bit of a different culture in there as well. So personally, I'd rather that they had more diversity with it within the uh, the influencer group that they've chosen, but to be honest, I just think that's pretty much hockey on its own, but there are some other options that they, they haven't been involved with as of yet. Um, so yeah, so Craig, Craig reached out to us and it's just like, 
it's nice. What we wanted to do again is just continue to our mantra of being a fan reaction to what was going on. So yes, we're going into the games for free. As I mentioned on one of the podcasts, Timmy, the, f- the financial benefit to us by g- going to the game for free isn't substantial to, to our personal situations. So it's not like we're being influenced in regards to having to be positive. And they've been very open in regards that we definitely don't want that. So yeah, so so really, that's kind of where we worked out. I think the the big thing that we kind of came or came out with was he asked me anything, and I don't know if you like you guys had questions about that, but just kind of lead into it. Actually, it's funny because this is our last question here. Is that in late December and asked me anything with Sens Chief Marketing Officer Amy Dazell and Sens Director of Digital Marketing Janice Nicholson was conducted on the podcast with the fans many questions. The reaction that I saw online had been over overall polarizing now what kind of a reaction were you expecting from the ask me anything versus the one you received and overall was there any answers given from either janice or amy that surprised you yeah so with that there's there's a couple of things in regards to that too is kind of going back to when you said that we were sellouts and everything else it's like the whole idea behind doing the ask me anything was to be able to go in a different venue that the mainstream media can't do and that the influencers would work out where we can get the public's questions directly to the team. Because a lot of the problem was that people felt like they were no longer being heard. So we ended up breaking down the Ask Me Anything into two different sessions. Um, the first one where we, we really talked about the logo, and, and that's one piece that I found quite surprising in regards to the fact that the... 3D Centurion logo is fairly significantly more preferred over the O logo. Hmm. Is that is that just uh, from from an age demographic, or is that just overall by the fans? So it was pretty much all overall fans um, from what from what they kind of showed us on a breakdown. I didn't have the age demographics or anything else like that. To me, it kind of looked like. Fans that go to the game often mm-hmm. did prefer the O, but then those non-committal fans did not. So one thing that, that Amy mentioned too was that kids don't like the O, which I can understand because they prefer the cartoon character or, or things like that, like the 3D Centurion can bring to you instead of just a letter. But alternatively, the other thing that I was thinking of is, and you guys are on the West Coast, the O is representative of Ottawa as a city and may not be representative to a fan that is not living in Ottawa. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because a lot of their survey responses were, I'm not going to the games, but then the O scored very, very poorly for that group. So I found that. That was very surprising. There's some other stuff, and and, and you're right in regards to the feedback that I got on the first Ask Me Anything was very positive because there's things, it was a little bit of a lighter situation, them giving us information in regards to the the logo, while the the second half was more negative. Uh, information so I, I think overall the, the, the listeners ended up liking the fact that we did it that they got some honest answers from the team 
so really with that, the logo was a, was a big win in regards to one piece there. We ended up breaking in regards to Rookie, the uh, uh, the dog from CNIB that, that they've adopted. So that they also broke in regards to the Ask Me Anythings. And just a couple of other little things and, and clarification as to why they didn't have Eric Carlson and in, in, in kind of hiding him in, in some of the promotional videos or, or welcome back videos for some of the other players. The answer was not well received, but the question or the, the question was answered. Yeah, which exactly. All, which is what we really wanted. Yeah, and that's fine. And when I got a chance to listen to that, ask me anything. The one thing that actually kind of surprised me was when the subject of the Melnick bots came up and I can't remember if it was Amy or Janice that said that there are, there are about as equal amounts of the pro Melnick bots and the anti Melnick bots, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Because yeah. all, all we saw were the pro Melnick bots. Yeah, it's I I don't know what she was referring to there. Um, that that parody accounts because there's a lot of anti Melnick parody accounts which could easily be swept in with the bots. That could be what she's referring to. Yeah, probably. Could be. Could very well be. And I, I did find it interesting, too, there that she did admit to the fact that the LeBreton Facts website thing, mm-hmm. com is actually a website owned by the Ottawa Senators or, the, or the, their, their affiliation. But then denying the bots where the only reason we knew about the website was through the bots linking to it. Yeah, so that's kind of a clear giveaway so, that yeah. maybe those the pro Melnick bots may have something to do with the team, right? If they're if they're yeah. submitting the link to that website. It, exactly, and that I wouldn't necessarily say that it's someone f- from the team that's or that's employed by the team that's doing it on behalf of the team. Mm-hmm. This just could be somebody doing it who's friends with Melnick. I'm really I can't I can't just fathom so, the fact that Melnick has friends to begin with. Huh. Well, you know, it, it's uh yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's tough to say and don't really need to get too too personal in regards to that, but it's uh yeah, I, I could definitely see someone kind of helping him out with that and that goes way back to the whole Ukrainian thing and um in Travis Yost. That's a callback. Yeah. So it's who knows? I don't overall I don't think it's important. Grand scheme of things, I don't think it's important, but it's uh it's interesting stuff. No, I think it was more I, I don't want to say it was more blown out of proportion from social media, but I think if nobody really paid attention to it, they would have the bots would have just gone away. Twitter would have noticed something and been like, Okay, we gotta get rid of those. Right. Yeah. So I don't have any more questions before we go into rapid fire, Tim, if you'll want to ask Pan and something. One final question I've got is, now that we're on the topic of things going differently than they expected and odd reactions, what would you say your most bizarre social media interaction has been as you've been doing sense call-ups, either as yourself, Pan, or with the sense call-up? That's a hard one, right? Because well, when things get a little bit nuts... You, you just go like, all right, enough of this. I've, I've had one guy who tried to say that even like Patrick Roy got traded, so it's okay for Carlson to get traded. When you look at it, it's like, well, Roy ended up getting traded and then won 
a cup immediately, and then Montreal went into shambles. Twenty years probably by now. So it, it and then that person will just kind of keep hitting it and hammering it and hammering it and hammering it. But yeah, outside of that, it's like we we try to I try to keep it as fun as I can. This year's been real tough. Like it, it's they, they they we've been told like quit being negative and try to see the positive and things and I just don't see it and just anything like I was expecting Mark Stone to be extended on January 1st that didn't happen so now it's like as a fan just give me something give me one thing that I can be optimistic about and that's it's funny because um, that's what Ian Mendez said on the latest Suns call-ups episode yeah that's right that's right it's it's absolutely it you, you need in, in sports you need to sell hope and what do we yep. have right now? It's it, everything just seems to be money moves, so that that's not overly fun. Um, outside of that, and, and way in the past, back and I was talking about this the other day actually, um, just in, in some of the things that really have blown up with us uh, on social media. First one was when Roberto Luongo ended up getting traded from Vancouver to Florida, and Tim Thomas was on the floor was still on the Florida team at that point. <laughs> Do you remember this one? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I got Capital Gains, who's a great follow. He's he, and he's been on fire this year. Um, yeah. Oh so god, that was awesome. I Especially the him. one after Ubergate came out too. Oh, yeah the the, the penalty kill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he's done a couple good ones over the last few days too. So definitely check that out. But because he he does these great photoshops, so I ended up having him do. Roberto Luongo and Tim Thomas as stepbrothers. <laughs> oh, that's it great. I oh, love that. Off. So that one was just crazy. And I love that one because it was fun. It's trending in Vancouver. It's trading, trending in Florida just because obviously it's, it was a big deal at the time and it's through the league. So that one was a lot of fun. Um, this year, which again, I'm surprised I didn't get in trouble for, was it was the game after that Uber video came out and the whole article about it. And I ended up taking a picture of the banner ads at the arena. Oh, I did see that. When the, when the Uber ad came up, and without any hashtags or anything, I just ended up, te- um, I ended up just writing awkward. And that one took way off. I thought it was maybe going to get 10, 20 likes or something like that. No, 490,000 people saw that. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's insane. So I can't rep- I can't duplicate that. So. No, because I know for myself, I know I tweeted out one time, because I, I have a coworker of mine who's a Buffalo fan, and right as Buffalo went on their 10-game winning streak, and my buddy was thinking Sabres were hot shit, and I work at a private school, I work in the kitchen, and so I was wrapping up a sandwich, and instead of writing Go Sabres, I wrote Hot Sam Bacho, and I tweeted that out. And everybody, including ah. Brian Five or Six, liked that. And I was like, I didn't even notice that until I looked it up. It had like 70-something likes. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, I was like, why, why are people responding to this? It's funny. Yeah. Even my buddy was it's just like, fun. who or what is a Hot Sam Bacho? And I had to explain to him what that was. Just eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Just the damn sandwich. So, Pan, we cannot thank you enough for coming on the show this evening. Now, before we let you go, I was wondering if you can indulge us with a quick round of Rapid Fire. I'll try my best. Okay, so, for those who don't know, Rapid Fire was 
a game played on the Jan Dan podcast when they worked for Fox Sports 1. Unfortunately, since Jan Dan have come back to TSN and they've done the podcast again, they have unfortunately abandoned Rapid Fire, and I've decided to take it and make it my own. So, without that, so let's go into the first question, and that is, what is the best drinking establishment in Ottawa? The beer market. Well, I'll take that. And I, might, and I will point out that my co-host lived in Ottawa for a little while, so I can always look at him and be like, is this a good one? Beer market's good. Okay. Yeah. If, you, if you want to go local, because you know beer market is, is franchised and it's all over the place, I, I really like it. It's a good location uh, just down on Sparse Street, I think it even is. So it's, it's a different atmosphere there. Um, otherwise, Big Rig's great, too. Okay. I never got a chance to go see Big Rigs when I was in Ottawa for oh, the outdoor it's, game. It's, the food's fantastic, too. Yeah. What is one thing you would recommend to see or do in Ottawa that isn't a tourist trap? That is not a tourist trap. Interesting. Uh, um, I want to see the canal, but that kind of is a tourist trap, even though it's free. Uh, the canal's good. Uh, Red Blacks game's a lot of fun, especially if you're there in the summer. So I wouldn't necessarily call that a, a, a tourist trap thing. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. It's canal in the winter, Red Blacks game in the summer. Okay, because I know that Ottawa is a major city, so I tried to change up the question to say, okay, what about the city that isn't a tourist trap? If it was a smaller town, I would say, what's the thing that you would go there? So that's why I have to ask. Yeah. 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 Greatest senator not named Daniel Alfredson or Eric Carlson? That's a tough one because you have that's, you can that, have you can have a lot real, of people. Yeah, I've got like three or four guys that I'm thinking of. I'm I'm gonna have to go with my personal best. I know it might not be the, everyone's favorite. Jason Spatza. You know what's funny? When I asked Trevor Shackles the same question, that was his answer too. Wow. Yep. Is Thomas Shabbat a beautiful man? You know what? Matt Duchesne is much more attractive than Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, I was actually referring to more uh, of the I... Brian Fever Six song. That's why I brought it up. Oh. <laughs> Matt Duchesne is hot, though, so I'll give you that. Oh, yeah. Okay, I never thought this is where the question would go, so. I mean, you put it out there. Yeah, but I'm, re- I'm more or less referring to the Brian Fever Six Hots and Bot Show song, man. No, that one. Sorry, I don't know the lyrics in full yet. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. So actually, a little, a little bit behind the scenes in the uh, press box, I'm actually much more animated than uh, Brian Five or Six during the game. How weird is that? Part of me could actually believe that because I think Brian seems more like the person that would be a little more subdued in person than he would on, um, you know, some of the stuff that he does online. Yeah, it's it, it's it's crazy. He'll he'll just sit there and watch the game properly. Yeah, do you think maybe because the fans sort of expect that from him, like he's, they expect Brian to be more animated than usual? Well, when we're up in the press box, there's no cheering aloud. Really? Uh, yeah, because they're all, they're, they're, well, they're professional and they're supposed to be nonpartisan. Hmm, okay. So it's, it, it's tough. It's like I've really got to swallow my, my tongue there. And the only other person that's more animated than I am is Amy. Okay. If you were to introduce Japan droids to somebody who has never heard them, which song would you show them? Oh, I don't even know the name of it. 
Oh, so Japan Droids is a great little. Well, you guys are from the West Coast. I think they're from Vancouver. Uh, actually, and... they met in uh, Victoria, the University of Victoria. Oh, really? Wow. Okay, so they're a nice little band. Uh, way back when, and I was kind of working with uh, the Sense DJ on things, and just trying to find a, a new goal song, something maybe different. So I just looked up songs that had O in it. So just to run with O for Ottawa. Okay. So song, and I think the one that it's called is "The House That Haven't Built." Oh, Japan. that's a good shot. That's a good jam. So a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of. Fun. I re- actually I really like Northeast Southwest. I think that's a good tune too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun. And when I started to work with them with 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 that song too, it's it it tent or it, it was good luck a lot for the team where mm-hmm. he would play and they do either draw a penalty or score on the next play, and it it happened way too frequently. Yeah, because I know that I see on Twitter during game days, you're tweeting at them going, Japan Droids! Yeah, and <laughs> no one understands it in that in the speaker system that they have at the Canadian Tire Center. It's, it just buzzes because it, it, there's this guitar the whole time. The speed rock stuff, it really it sounds awful in that arena, but he still does it for me. Awesome. So. It's actually because Fun. of you that I actually became a fan of Japan Droids myself. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's some more influencing, isn't there? Yep. Steve or Larson from Going In Raw. Oh, Larson. See, Steve's fun, but I, I much more relate to Larson. Okay. NWO Bullet. or Bullet Club? Ooh, nice. Bullet Club. Solid. Are you going to be watching All Elite Wrestling when that starts up? No, I doubt it. I'm, I'm not even covering... The, what I like about wrestling is you can turn it on and then turn off your brain. Yeah, that's why I like it too. And I know that even on this show, I always throw in the odd wrestling reference, and Tim just looks at me. He's like, "You made a ref- you made a wrestling reference there, didn't you?" And I was like, "Yep." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, I believe those. Like I, I was looking for a, a Bullet Club shirt for this guy when I last went to Tokyo, and I couldn't find the damn thing. Oh, I'm sure you can buy them online. Even Hot Topics tend to have them a lot. I don't know if you have them out there, but I think Hot Topic isn't Hot Topic an American only company though, or do they have? I'm them sure. Seen, I'm sure there's some in in Canada. Hmm. Probably Spencer's. Ooh, yeah, too. Spencer's is kind of greasy though. I I don't like going in there. And Hot Topic yeah. isn't. Well, we don't have a Hot Topic up here, as far as I know. So that's why. I'm way too old to even go in there. So. But yeah, no, it's, it's wrestling, wrestling truly is, it's, uh, it is a total guilty pleasure, but I'll, so it's, it's like, I've got a high pressure job and then hockey's a good distraction for me, but I get too emotional wrestling and just turn it on, turn off your brain. It's scripted. Some matches will make you happy. Some will make you angry, but it, it's, it's all written. So it's totally different stuff. Fair enough. If you were confronted by a bear in the woods and you could only have either Cardinal or Canuck to help you fight it, who would you choose and why? Um, well, Cardinal's a much much better outdoorsman. Okay. Uh, um, and also he's got bad knees, so if things go bad, I can just kick him and then he'll go down. You don't have to outrun the bear, just outrun the other person. I'll accept that. 
So for our final question, and this is actually something that Tim and I have been divided on for the longest time. Pan, burgers and fries forever. Overrated or best burger in Ottawa? Sorry, which, which burgers and fries was that? I believe the one on Elgin. Isn't it, Tim? No, it's on Bank. Bank? Or now in the market. Sorry, sorry which restaurant is this? Burgers, uh, burgers and fries forever. Burgers and fries forever? Yeah. You know, I've never even heard of it. Really? Yep. I don't know that one at all, so I'm going to have to go and check that place out. But, uh, you know, the Big Rig burgers are fantastic. Okay. Because I know when I was in Ottawa, Tim uh, built up burgers and fries forever to me. And he's like, man, you're going to go to this place when you go to Ottawa. And I went there and I ate it. And I'm just like, okay. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Nothing special. I just walked out and Tim started... You know, he gave, he gave me shit for that. He's just like, what do you mean you didn't think it's the best burger in Ottawa? It's like, I don't know. It was it was all right. Huh, fun. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to go and try that place. I know I've influenced you on things, so I'm going to go and check that out next time I'm downtown. Because mm-hmm, I know there's one in Bank, and I think there's one in the Byward Market, too, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I opened one on Dalhousie by the end, as. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Sweet. Well, I guess that wraps up the interview tonight. Uh, so, Pan, first of all, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can the people find you on Twitter, and how can they find the Suns Call-Ups if they're not listening to you yet? Sure. So with that, my Twitter, which which I'm pretty active on, is at Pan, P-A-N, of S-C-U. Um, so that's where you can kind of find me and my individualized thoughts. Uh, a little bit cleaner things is at Sens Call-Ups which is uh, the full word um, together. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on uh, a whole bunch of different podcast platforms under Sense Call-Ups and their website at sensecallups.com. Email at your podcast at sensecallups.com and voicemail at 1-844-SCUSENS. Awesome. So before we let you go, uh, we usually get the people that we interview to yell or say hot sambacho. So can we get a quick hot sambacho from you? Sure thing. Hot sambacho! Mommy, the guy's yelling through the walls again. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much, Pam. Thanks, guys. Okay, have a good night, buddy. My absolute pleasure. All right. Wow, Tim, it's hard to believe that we finally got a chance to talk to Pan from the Suns Call-Ups, eh? Damn, and it was a great interview, too. It was, man. That was really great to get a chance to talk to him. So with that out of the way, I guess it's time to roll on into the close, eh, bud? Another night into this upset? Yep. Well, first of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to this special edition of the Third Line Plug Sanscast. I hope you enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I loved recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. And because our bod Dave made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at thirdlineplug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m 99 Badger, and I'm at greatwhitegipster, G-R-8-W-A-T-E, Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the interview we did with Pan from the Sense Call-Ups, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jancy. Go Sands, guys.
so long, my time here is up. They're going home!